Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Brisbane podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. We pray that this message is a blessing. John 4, verse 4 to 26. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sitcha, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you were right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. This is the word of the Lord. I genuinely thought someone else was following me. Uh, (laughs) Fantastic. Uh, Look, great to be with you. And uh, thank you, Rach. Uh, It's your first time uh, up on a platform for us and uh, wherever you are. I can't, there you are. Uh, And just, I gave you a mammoth of a text to read. So I I appreciate that so much. And uh, yeah, look, just want to start by saying that, um, look, my wife and I, Sinead, we've been part of this community for just over a year now. And uh, I was reflecting with a a mate of mine just about church experiences. And 
I, I got a little bit emotional, and I kind of just said, look, I just love my church, uh, not just because of the beautiful building, but also the people within it, and it's just been a place for us uh, to just find a lot of healing, find a lot of love in the small groups that we've been part of, and so, um, yeah, I'm just grateful for you guys, uh, grateful for this, this church, uh, but also excited about um, Alex when he asked me to speak on this topic of evangelism, just super excited. It's something that uh, gets me out of bed in the morning. Uh, it makes me, you know, put me in coach. That is the kind of attitude that I have when it comes to, to this topic. And so, um, yeah, just stoked and excited to see what might come about, especially as we consider Alpha, those who are opening up their homes and their dinner tables to have people come and join us. Um, and, I, and I love that because Alpha, you know, it's easy for us to just say Alpha is just something that we run. It's just a mere program. And I would want to argue Alpha is best when it becomes a culture and a value of the church throughout, that I'm expectant to see new people in my pew next to me most weeks. I am expecting to sit and have to introduce myself, maybe tell the same five facts about myself as I do every week, uh, just with new people that we talk to. And so just so excited and, um, and pumped to be with you. Um, there's a bit of a breeze up here, so if pages start flying around, we'll just go freestyle and, and we'll go from there. Uh, but this topic of evangelism, right, it, it can often uh, bring with it a bunch of maybe baggage or mixed feelings, mixed emotions. Uh, for many of us, it might just be that sort of anxiety that it builds up, you know, oh no, the, the church is talking about this again, far out. Do you not know about the experiences I've had with that work colleague? Do you not know the experiences I've had with that family member around a Christmas table because they are the best place to have these kinds of conversations? No, it can sometimes bring anxiety, but it can also sometimes bring a bit of resentment, right? It's like, oh, I know I'm meant to, but I've got a lot on. Uh, my, I'm pretty busy, right? And I would say, absolutely, uh, I'm busy. Likelihood is you're busy too. I don't have kids, so likelihood is you're probably busy too, or even more busy than I. But what my prayer is, and what my hope is for as we kind of open up the scriptures together tonight, is that we might just have those anxieties settled and that kind of uh, this hesitation disturbed that we might consider how and who are we being sent. And so um, I would love for us, just as we kick off, just to kind of start that journey in prayer together. So if you, you could pray with me. Spirit of God, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of me, James, the God of my wife, Sinead, the God of every individual here who has brought us to this place, whether knowingly or unknowingly. Father, we ask for that same spirit to stir again. Lord, would you settle our anxieties around this topic? Lord, would you disrupt us and disturb us, Lord, where we have settled for a mission that looks nothing like Jesus? Father, we ask for your help in that. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now, if you were to look for me on most given afternoons, you would probably find me walking my dog, Wesley. He's a border collie. Uh, he's the best. He is awesome. He's probably my best mate. That, yeah, I've got a little bit of movement. That means the slide has gone up. Uh, and you would probably find us, there's this open field I love to take him to, uh, just 
he just goes nuts. He's like, this is the best part of his day. Uh, and we kind of scramble down to this embankment. There's a little bit of a creek there. He goes for a swim. I have seen bull sharks in there, but he still goes for a swim. And we're just kind of, we're just playing it. We're just going to see how we go. If I need to jump in and rescue the dog, let's, let's find out. But it, it really is like this little slice of Narnia uh, that I found um, a place where I just go to, to pray and just kind of settle myself. But often there are other people there. Uh, often there are pe- kids fishing, there are people on their bikes cycling around, there are other people just um, collecting stuff, picking up shells and stones and stuff. I don't really, I, I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> but the question that I find myself asking is to them, is do you mind if I let Wes off the leash? Because as many of my life group members will know, Wes thinks everyone is his best mate. It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what you're doing, it doesn't matter what you look like or where you are from, Wes is coming to say hello. The other day, this young man was just quietly fishing, clearly had a podcast on, didn't even hear me come down the embankment. Wes goes splash into the water, gets out again, and then just shakes off right next to him. And yeah, it was the, do I try to apologize through AirPods? Do I not try and apologize through AirPods? And yet this story that we've read, this portrait of Jesus that we've seen, represents something quite similar with hesitations of sounding blasphemous. (laughs) It seems to me that Jesus is interested in going after people, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever they are like. It seems like the hound of heaven himself, represented in Jesus, is chasing people down. And this story finds its context within the book of John, one of the four biographies we have, uh, the the historical accounts of Jesus' life. And I love what uh, New Testament scholars like N.T. Wright and Mike Bird from Melbourne say. They describe John, compared to other Gospels, like this. It says, Matthew takes us to the synagogue. Mark invites us to follow the crucified servant king. Luke addresses the educated Greek world, yet John, the gospel that we've just read from, contrasts them all and takes us up to the mountain to see the ministry of Jesus from a bird's eye view. There is a nature and theme throughout this gospel in which it is Jesus pulling people up to the divine reality in which he has experienced with the Father and the Spirit for all eternity. It is Jesus coming down the mountainside to us, to people like this woman. And where this woman is, really, I love that, that's still up, that's fantastic. Um, Where this woman is tells us, that's really threw me there, I'm like, where's buddy, have I fed you? Um, Where this woman is tells us a lot about her. Out in the desert heat, round about midday, the story tells us, alone collecting water. This is unusual, to say the least. Usually for people in that time and that period, uh, people would go, usually in the early hours of the morning, women together would go, uh, culturally, to go and collect water together. Uh, People going at absurd times uh, of the day to go and do normal things is a little bit unusual. My first job was in Kmart. I used to do the late shifts. It was unusual seeing the different kinds of people that were walking around Kmart at 9 o'clock at night. Let's just put it that way. 
And not only that, but it describes her as a Samaritan woman. Samaritans, a group of people who had, were understood to have kind of compromised with the enemies of Israel, both through marriage, but also through their worship. And not only that, but we see that uh, this woman also has, there is some, I guess, moral or ethical separations, not only through her gender, but also how her life has played out. And I think it's easy for us to just see this as a bit of a parable, right? It's just to go, this is just one archetypal story. This isn't a real person. These aren't real people trying to talk to each other. But that isn't the case. John does not intend for us to see it that way. This is real Jesus meeting with a real woman in a real time in a real place. A Jewish rabbi, a Jewish religious professional meeting with a Samaritan woman. And while these kind of cultural barriers may uh, be a little bit distant for us, they might just have a little bit of a degree of separation. I don't know the ancient history, why should I bother? The world in which we live in is maybe equally or more so polarized, right? We have to switch on the TV, we have to scroll through our phones uh, just to see the kind of barriers that are in our way. And yet for Jesus, these barriers, while they are legitimate and serious and real and things to be discussed and talked about, they're never ultimate. Jesus goes through them in spite of them. Why? Because I think often Jesus doesn't send us to respond to a cultural narrative, but to people with flesh and blood. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I was uh, doing Red Frogs. And Red Frogs, basically, uh, chaplains for unis, for parties, uh, for festivals. We go out, we hand out water, uh, make sure everyone's having a good time. And to paint the picture, I'm on this uni campus, it's uni party night, Thursday night, there's a volleyball court, which means sand gets everywhere. Uh, There's loud music playing, it's blasting through across this kind of party, there's booze, there's way too much beer pong going on. Uh, And I get chatting with this young guy, and as it happens on uni campuses, the conversation gets a little bit philosophical, a little bit too quickly for the everyday, right? It's like, bro, what, what, this speed, you know? By the way, I'm James, you know? Um, and so we get chatting, and obviously the booming music, it isn't the most ideal place to talk about these kind of things, but he um, says to me that, look, he uh, would call himself an atheist, but can appreciate religion, right, from a cultural standpoint, a cultural narrative. And eventually he starts opening up a bit of his story up to me. He says he starts to share about how he's really struggled uh, with his own sense of identity, who he is in the world. I mean, who doesn't? But in a way around his gender and what that means, what does it mean for him to be a man, what does that mean for him, was considering or going through treatment at that time. And if I'm really honest, there's a part of me that goes, man, there is so much difference between you and I. I just have never experienced that. Mate, I'm really sorry. I want to be there. And yet, just through time, through him coming around to my house, there was one moment in which he said, mate, we'd do Bible studies at my house, and he'd say, oh, I don't believe in any of this stuff. I was like, mate, can we pray for you? 
And uh, he said, no, no, I, I really don't believe in any of this stuff. I said, mate, we can talk to the wall for you. That's, that's what we'll do. Um, that's all we need to do. And I just started to open up about this good news, this person of Jesus. I didn't have all the training. I didn't feel like I had all the right things to say. They felt like there was such a separation between us. But opening up about this, Jesus identifies with those who don't feel comfortable in their own skin. And yet Jesus promises to love us and never forsake us. And I don't know what all the implications of that might mean, but that's all I had. Eventually he came to faith uh, and just been a really exciting story about where he find himself. But I think that the kind of challenge or question that this raises for us, this story, but also the passage that we've read, is that the question for us isn't where God is sending us, but to who. You know, often we can find ourselves, I don't know about you, but being trapped of like, where does God want me to be? What job do I want to do? What country do I want to live in? What city do I want to live in? Where is God sending me? And I would just want to say this, that's almost the wrong question. Because while that is a legitimate question for many of us, if the Spirit impresses that on your heart, go for it. Uh, But more importantly, God is sending us to people, to people with lives, with stories. And yet none of the differences that we have with those around us ever strong enough to hinder what the kingdom of God that is advancing. Moving on through this passage, verse 10, says this, Jesus, if you knew, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, uh, with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, and as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. One of the, my favorite parts about the story is just this air of sass in the air. This woman is asking the, the honest question, right? Jesus rocks up empty-handed, doesn't have, you know, a ladle or a teaspoon, and he says he's going to draw some water. Uh, and the woman asks the honest question, similar to Nicodemus, right, who says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he asks the honest question of like, how can I crawl back into my mother's womb? There is, he asks the honest, real questions. And I love this, but I think the question that she's also asking is, who is Jesus and what is he trying to sell me? What is the product that he is offering me? And yet these, to me, seem to be the questions that many of us in our culture find ourselves asking. Who is Jesus? How can he fit within this, my spiritual reality, how I see the world around me? And what good is he actually going to do for me? What has he got to sell me? 
in our information era with new fads, practices, and podcasts. It feels like we're almost in a spiritual supermarket where you can find and follow most things uh, on a Kmart bookshelf. Second reference to Kmart. Don't know why, that's in my subconscious. (laughs) I'll reflect with that with my counselor one day. But what does this mean? I think it fundamentally changes how we see those around us. Because like this woman who is thirsty, dissatisfied with her life and how it is playing out, working out, is Jesus going to come through for me? People around us, our baristas, our neighbors, are also asking those same questions. And it seems like while this woman represents uh, people in her own period, it also represents us. That's one of the uh, commentators around John's mention. He said, for, for much of the gospel, the stories described to us what Jesus is like, but for this story, it seems that it is describing the human condition. Thirsty, longing for something more. And, and I kind of put this to the test, right? Sorry, it is sweaty up here. Dill, I know what you're talking about. Um, inside joke. Um, uh, that this feeling, this restlessness, this dissatisfaction, can we just be honest, it's lasted longer than the COVID virus. It's lasted longer than lockdowns. There is still this sense in which we're going, what next? What's new? What's going to fulfill us? As C.S. Lewis would describe, uh, I promised Alex I would include some quotes, um, which I will later on, but he described uh, all of our neighbours, all of the people that we speak to, not as mere mortals, but people with eternal longings, and yet we have finite resources. Isaiah 55, one of my favorite passages in the Old Testament, says this, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? The God of the Bible, Jesus, he never challenges our need to be fulfilled but he does challenge the means in which we used to fulfill ourselves. The people in our world, like this woman, we long for more. So what is it that Jesus is offering? Verse 16 says this, He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you are now with is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Now, again, fear of sounding blasphemous. It sounds like Jesus being a bit of a jerk, right? Just up front, a face value reading of this text. The conversation's going really well. It's, it's doing, he's doing great. He's saying, look, I've promised you living water. And this lady is on board. Sweet, let's go, let's do it. And then whammy. (laughs) He just springs this fast one on her. And at best, it seems like Jesus is a little bit ignorant. Like he just doesn't have that kind of emotional intelligence going on. Wasn't gifted in that way. 
but at worst it seems cruel. At worst it seems like, why on earth are you trying to twist the blade? And that might be the case if I thought that Jesus couldn't deal with the problems that were being expressed by this woman's dysfunction. If he didn't have the ability to fix the problems going on in her world, then I would say, absolutely, this is cruel. As I was reading uh, through this passage this week, uh, I was kind of thinking, what would, you know, thought leaders, contemporary thought leaders, uh, what would they say to this woman? Uh, Just an interesting question to put out there. Uh, You know, say Jordan Peterson, I do a mean impersonation, but I won't for now. Uh, He would... No, I'm not going to do it. That's... (laughs) Brother. You wriggled that bait right in front of me. Uh, He'd probably give this woman 12 rules. And if they didn't work, he'd give her 12 more rules. Uh, But he'd probably ask her to map out a goal for her life. What is it that she's seeking? Maybe start asking her to tidy her room, start dealing with the small challenges in her life and work up to the bigger ones. Or maybe the spiritual guru would maybe tell her to have a spiritual experience, look inward, determine who you are and what reality is to you, and then go and live that out to be your true self. Or maybe even the lifestyle coach might come to her, sit down, Assess her skill set. How can she make a fortune, maybe in crypto or something else? And then tell her to go do it. She doesn't need no man around. She's going to own this thing. And yet Jesus offers something a little bit different. While there may be some uh, element of wisdom to each of those individuals, Jesus offers something radically different. Jesus does not dismiss her desire for something more, nor does he ignore her life situation. Both are legitimate, they're real, they're present. Yet he takes this all into view, and what does he offer her but himself? Offers the living water, the one in which will satisfy C.S. Lewis, in his best essay, The Weight of Glory, uh, said something like this. He said, Indeed, if we consider the unblushing promises of reward and the staggering nature of the rewards promised in the gospel, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like, ignorant, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because we couldn't, cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. Which leads me to my final question for tonight, if the band can come up. I told you there was a breeze. is firstly, have you tasted of this living water that Jesus promises? Not just to this woman, but to all people for all of time and everywhere. Have you sensed that fulfillment, that end of the mediocrity of life that seems to be present for many of us? 
And who can you share that with, that living water? A couple of stories about, or facts about myself. I work for an organization which we develop resources for people to have meaningful conversations about life and faith and uh, try and deal with the difficult questions. And yet the strongest apologetic, the strongest reason that I see is the person of Jesus and what he promises us. As Galatians says, (laughs) he says that it is not I who live, but Christ, because he loved me and he gave himself for me. That is the promise offered to each of us. That is the promise offered to our neighbors, to our coworkers, to our colleagues. Where, indeed, can we share it? And for my own sort of story, uh, there was some serious chapters in my life in which God seemed to be chasing me down, the hound of heaven, like a Wes, uh, a Wesley. And the reason that I, I chose this story is just because I, I sense that this whole chapter seems to be a portrait for my own faith in Christ. While I had pretty dramatic spiritual experiences along the way, for a lot of the time it was sat in the back of a school bus, invited to sit with the cool kids, one of whom was a Christian, one of whom took my questions, my doubts, my vague spirituality, and started to tell me about this Jesus that she'd found herself in. I remember when I um, told them one afternoon, I, I, think I've, I think I've become a Christian. She hugged me. And to be honest, I freaked out. I was terrified. That was weird. I'm like, you know, I thought this was just an intellectual ascent. This was just, you know, I've come to the conclusion, the intellectual conclusion, yep, this is real. But she knew far more what Jesus was offering me than I did in that moment. And so who is in your world that you can offer that to? So I want to pray for a couple of things together as we wrap up uh, this sort of portion of our worship time. And firstly, I want us just to consider one of the things... Sorry, it is just sweat. It's nothing more. Don't worry. I'm English. We have the emotional ability of a teaspoon. Uh, I want us to, one thing I sense the Spirit prompting me as I read this text this week was maybe this is the image of the Christian life completely. That we might find ourselves at wells talking with Jesus, uncovering what we think, what we believe, how our lives are going, and sipping and supping at the water that He promises us. finding ourselves sitting at that well. And then the other thing is I just want us to pray for our city. Uh, Not with hype, not with some vague or thin faith, but with a trust in the one who has sent us and saved us into the mission and call that he has for us. So could we stand together as we pray?
Father, we're grateful for your son who comes, who goes the distance, who despite our the differences we may have with the Jewish Messiah, Lord, you come and you step into this Western world and meet people who are different from yourself, Lord. Father, we want to acknowledge maybe where we feel that we thirst for something more in this life. Whether we consider ourselves followers of you, Jesus, we want to acknowledge where we are thirsty, where we are lacking, where we've failed to spend time with you, Lord. And so with every eye closed, I'd love for, if that's maybe you, you just maybe have a sense in which you don't, haven't sensed God's closeness, God's nearness recently, or feel that you want to sip again from that taste of the well, I'd love for you to just stick up your hand. So, Father, with those who thirst for more, Father, we just ask you to fill their cup. From that water, that well that never runs dry, you alone, Jesus, would we thirst for you and find you. And, Lord, we also want to pray for our city. Pray for Brisbane the place in which you have called us to, but also the people you have called us to, God. Lord, would you help us to see our baristas, see our neighbors in a new light, see them as people who thirst for something more. Father, would you just stir in us and help us believe that we might see people fill this church. Father, we and not asked to carry the way to revival, but we are asked to pray for it. And so, Lord, we ask that those who are far, who are distant from you, Lord, that you might bring them into the fold through the miraculous or the means of men and women here. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can contact us at church.nu or through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.